Everyone's so busy keeping up. Forget about the Joneses, we all on our telephones. With the texts and the tweets and the beats. What he said, she said, can't even follow the three. Down the hole, we all go. Me, I like keeping up too. With my corona and my attitude. That's La Vida Masfina. Relax responsibly. Corona Extra Beer. Imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. If you spend your life on social media, you probably think the twins are in last place and hopeless because they do have problems and the bullpen is one of them. Uh, if you don't spend your life on social media and you would just watch the standings, you think the twins are great because they've been in first place pretty much the entire year since their initial slow start. Truth, of course, is somewhere in the middle. I want to ask Roy Smalley and Lavelle Neal today whether they are more encouraged by the way the twins are playing or more worried by the bullpen. This is Chin Music. This is our baseball show at TalkNorth.com. Thanks to our producer, Brandon Morton. Uh, we recommend subscribing to your favorite podcast app. It's the easiest way to listen. It's also free. Thanks to Corona, the presenting sponsor of the Chin Music Show at TalkNorth.com and the official import beer sponsor of the Minnesota Twins, and also Perfect Ash, one of Lavelle's favorite places to hang out. All right, let's start with Lavelle today. Lavelle, are you more... Uh, impressed with the way the twins have played overall or worried about the bullpen? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I, I'm a little bit of both. Um, I, I Just because they're in first place and they're, I think they're nine games over 500 at the time of this taping, I'm going to say that I've been impressed with the way they're playing because for the most part, uh, any holes they've had to plug, they had to plug with in-house people. Um, we didn't know who the closer was really going to be after Taylor Rogers was dealt and it ended up being Juwan Duran and, the guy, you know, who's made himself into a candidate for the all-star team. Um, we didn't know um, about uh, Buxton's health. And, of course, he had that scare in Boston at the beginning of the year. Um, but he has been been able to uh, stay off the IL. Uh, we didn't know uh, how much the Twins would need Carol off of Miranda. They have, they have stepped up a step in the tie. Um, for all the bullpen Issues that there have been, and makes, most of it's because of the arm of Emilio Pagan. Uh, uh, Griffin Jacks has been a little bit of a revelation here because he has another ex- year of experience under his belt, and his stuff is ticked upward, and he has been um, more effective. Um, Theo Bar has been capable as a left-handed guy. Um, they took a blow when Ore Hakala came down with some forearm problems, and he's he's still out. And then when the the, the start rotation um, got injured, uh, had COVID, uh, was unvaccinated, and, and and struggled, you had people like Devin Smeltzer save their bacon. You've had Josh Winder uh, be effective uh, before he had to go on the IL. Actually, he's been effective since he's been back. Um, we've seen the young the youngsters of the Twins pitching prospects come up. And be functional. Um, of course, so Smeltzer's not one of these young guys. I'm thinking more like Josh Winder and a little bit of Cole Sands and and and, and a couple others. So I think they've been able to forge ahead in the division, um, getting contributions from some people you didn't know if they're going to be ready to contribute. And uh, you know that's that's a good thing. And now if they can keep the roster, you know, relatively intact and supplement it. 
um, with some a uh, couple savvy moves before the trade deadline, then they're, they're going to be in good shape to bring this division title home. Your thoughts, Roy? Well, I'm I'm more encouraged than I am uh, worried about the bullpen. We wouldn't be worried about the bullpen at all if they were in last place. But um, it, I mean, we'd be worried about you know the whole roster and it, it, the lack of uh, lack of closing games out um, or getting to your guy now Duran who can close games out. It, you know, wouldn't be uh, nearly the nearly the issue. It'd be it would be you know everything obviously. So. Um, I, I'm really impressed with the way the Twins have played, uh, with the uh, the performance of the guys that they've had, with the depth that they've uh, that they've tried to create over the last you know four or five years. That is now showing that they're you know they they uh, did a lot of re- correct, right, good things in uh, getting uh, getting talent throughout the organization. So I, I'm very impressed with that. Um, it, it's the bullpen uh, is going to be an issue the whole, you know the rest of the way unless they do unless they do something, and it's a uh, it's just a question of if they don't do anything, it's it's really just a question of whether the the position players can can keep it rolling you know offensively and keep it rolling positively you know from a psychological standpoint because it is tough on a club uh, on on the regular player the regulars the 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 position players when they keep uh they keep giving uh, their team uh, giving themselves leads uh against good pitching and it keeps to give, being given back and then they end up having to walk off or get walked off and i mean that that wears on a club and so you know it's it's if they are not able to get the bullpen fixed one way or the other uh, then the most important thing will be that the 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 psyche of the the uh, of the of the players and keeping that keeping that positive uh, attitude uh, about as Tom Kelly used to say we're all rowing this boat together. I mean this is this is who we got and this is this is what we're going with, right? So you know that mentality is going to be really important um, if the if the bullpen stays you know the way it is. You can follow us on Twitter at TalkNorthPod. See all the shows as they're released. Uh, my last couple of shows, Blocked and Muted. I had Brian Ascurry, a great interview. And also this week, David Barry, a sports economist, great NBA analyst, talking about the Go Bear trade. Of course, Krasinski is the show you want to listen to uh, to hear all about the Go Bear trade, the ramifications, the details. Also, if you'd like to advertise with this show or anywhere across the network as we continue to grow, and we are growing. Uh, you can reach Karen Cleary at K-C-L-E-A-R-Y at TalkNorth.com. Thanks again to Corona and Perfect Ash. So how should the Twins approach the trade market now? Because, of course, the easy thing to say is, oh, just, just trade for the best reliever available. Right now, those people are expensive, and you, know, it's, and you have to be really careful as an organization not to give away a good prospect who could be with you for six years at a reasonable rate for somebody who might only pitch 20 innings in your organization. Let's start with Roy. Uh, how do you approach the trade market at this point? Well, I, uh, very, uh, very carefully uh, to your point. I mean, it's, it's hard to make, it's hard to make a good trade. It's hard to make a good trade, you know, at any, at any point in time, but uh, at the trade deadline, it's, it, it's uh, with the twins where they are, now with good prospects, uh, good prospects for winning the division, good good actual uh, baseball 
uh, prospects throughout the organization, uh, they they have to they are going to have to be really smart, and we won't know if it's really smart till after. It's just it, it, that's the way it, that's the way it works. They're in a position now, I think, where they're feeling you know, some real heat um, of their own creation. I mean, I, not that the fans want something done. They want something done. They want, mm-hmm. they want to be a good team. They want to win the division. They want to go deep in the playoffs. And, and I think they know that the bullpen's got to be uh, re- revamped, got to be added to with uh, a quality arm and, you know, ideally two. Uh, in, out there in the bullpen, and and to your point, Jim, it's going to be very, it's going to be expensive to get somebody that you know is a proven is a proven guy. So then you have to start looking at the roster and, and saying who are we going to give up, uh, and then it's a question of uh, what do we do for the you know for the future if we give up. If we give up this guy or that guy, they're going to have to make some decisions about, for example, they potentially got a, uh, an extra outfielder. So Kirilov and Kepler and uh, Larnick for the corner positions. So uh, Kirilov's not going to get traded. And I would really, in my mind, it would be, you know, Larnick or Kepler in a, in a deal somehow with, you know, with, with somebody else to get, they're going to have to put somebody else together with, to get a good reliever. And this, you know, that's, um, that's stomach uh, acid dripping time. You know? <laughs> I mean, it, it, you say, well, God, you, you know, I mean, Max Kepler for, you know, for all of the, my thinking about him, I, I don't understand why he has not, been more uh, consistently productive than he has been. He's a good major league player. He's a very good right fielder. He he hit, gets some big hits. Uh, you give that guy up uh, with the still unproven uh, Larnick. Um, you know, I it's stomach acid dripping time. <laughs> so, I, and it's the same way. I mean, they they they've gotten themselves. I I wouldn't say that. And I could be wrong about this, but my my sense is they don't have they've done a great job getting good prospects throughout the minor. I would not say that they're in a position. I mean, Lavelle probably know this better than I, but my my impression, my sense is they are not in a position to say we've got so much talent we can give away whoever we want. You know, I mean, I just don't think that they're they're quite there yet, and so they're gonna they are going to. Um, you know, drip some stomach acid to trying to make a, trying to make a deal. I, I, I think. Lavelle, let, let's ask you this, because I know you do a great job of keeping track of the minor leagues. Um, how much real depth is there in the twins organization? They could, they could possibly trade away. And is there anybody in the minor leagues who could emerge as, you know, a, a surprise fix to this bullpen or is that unrealistic? Well, I, I think you've seen a lot of their guys starting to matriculate up to the to the majors in la- uh, this year and a little bit last year. Um, there is some talent they can trade. It just depends on what they're getting in return. There's still some starting pitching um, prospects that that could, that could be attractive. Uh, Cole Sands could still be interesting to some teams. Simeon Woods Richardson, whose you know stuff is up to 95 miles an hour now as a starter. 
you know, could be he's at double A. He could be uh, 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 attractive too. Um, uh, unfortunately, Austin Martin and you know, the kid they got in part of the Burials trade has struggled uh, a lot this year. And uh, the other right-hander that we've heard about for years coming up the pike, Jordan Balazovic has a seven ERA right now at St. Paul, which is concerning. So they've got some pieces they can put together, but you know, it, it just depends what you're getting in return. Are you getting a young kid with control? Um, then that's going to cost you, you know, more capital. Um, but like a major league veteran, um, like David Robertson, who's been around for years, he's pitching on a terrible Chicago Cubs team. Um, he's having a great season and he's a veteran. He's been a closer before and he would be a half, he'd be a half season rental. Well, that shouldn't take a lot in order to get him. Um, you know, and, but he's, he's, he's got a one eight nine ERA this year he's 37 and he's been through the battles in the past and he can come in and help, you know, shore up that bullpen. Um, you know, on the other end of the spectrum, you saw the closer, the young closer for the Baltimore Orioles, his name is Lopez, has 15 saves this year. You know, it'd be great to have him in. He's got a live arm. He'd be great to have him in the Twins bullpen, but that would probably cost more. Would you have to consider dealing with someone from the major roster or packaging, you know, multiple um, um, prospects? And we see a lot of these traits happen before the deadline. And a lot of times it's for spare parts. We ends up being like a couple of A-ball guys or maybe a double-A guy. Oh, guys, off the forty man, it it can be done. Uh, it just be ten, it just it depends where you're getting your spare parts from. Um, the younger they are and the more controllable they are, you know, the more they're going to cost. But there's a chance you can get like a KG veteran to prop up the back end of rotation, like David Robertson. Robertson was having a good season, and it shouldn't cost a lot. So um, they're going to have to kind of just search and explore and pro and probe, and you know, and you know, take their tums while they're trying to deliberate. And, and and see how they can uh, augment the bullpen because I think I think trades will be out there. Um, this is the time of season for it. I think it could happen. And David Robinson would be the dream. He would just be a perfect fit here. Um, and and you know maybe you, then you still want to add maybe one more lefty. But if you add David Robinson Robertson and a functional lefty, all of a sudden this bullpen becomes to me a strength. Absolutely. Don't forget. You know I, you have to you have to tip your hat to uh, Fabian Levine. Joe Smith's been an effective reliever. You know, when they signed him, mm-hmm. I was kind of skeptical, but um, he's the one guy in that in that bullpen and get a ground ball when you need it, you know, and kind of get you out of a jam. And um, you know, he's on the IL right now, but he should be close to coming back. But uh that that one is that one has worked out. So if they can find another veteran to put put back there, um, you know, that will help the cause even more. And Pagan's been a disaster, obviously. I don't know if they can salvage him or not, but what they can't do is just uh Keep putting him in high leverage situations, at least not right now. Uh, let's oh, just don't this. pitch him. Don't pitch him against the Cleveland Indians ever Oops. again. Well, that, that, and that—that's yes, I would highly recommend that. All right, more on the Twins roster, uh, the future, pitching changes, Rocco, the White Sox, and Cleveland coming up here. We do want to thank once again Corona, the official import beer sponsor of the Minnesota Twins, and the presenting sponsor of the Chin Music Show at TalkNorth.com. Thanks also to Lavelle's friends at Perfect Ash. Yes, Perfect Ash, where you can uh, choose from over 300 different models of cigars. You can sit in the um, air-conditioned room with plenty of leather chairs and plenty of televisions to watch Twins baseball. And um, I got a couple of friends there who are Stratomatic geeks, and sometimes the Stratomatic games will be going on uh, in the cigar lounge as well. So um, it's a great place for baseball and for a, a couple of stogies. 
And on Monday, 20, the Monday, September 26th at the Hastings Golf Club, the Perfect Ash Golf Tournament. So uh, there'll be plenty of cigar smoking going on at that one, ladies and gentlemen. So if you're interested, the shotgun starts at 12.30 p.m. at the Hastings Country Club. Uh, registration is $95 per person. And uh, there's going to be food and prizes afterwards. It's going to be a great time. So um, check out the Perfect Ash, located in Invergrove Heights, Minnesota. Uh, thanks to Perfect Ash. Thanks to Corona. So I do a morning radio hit in the St. Cloud area, uh, WJON with Jay Caldwell. And Jay, you know, tends to pass on thoughts from listeners and readers. And every time the Twins blow a lead, Jay basically asked me on behalf of one of his listeners, you know, why did Rocco make that? Why did Rocco make that move? So I, I, I just want to let's start with Roy on this one. Uh, have you looked at Rocco's pitching changes this year and thought, oh, man, you know, what is he doing? Or are you more like me where you go? he's got to pitch everybody. He can't pitch Duran two innings a day. It just doesn't work that way. You know, people he has have to do the jobs. I, I'm interested in your perspective on, on Rocco's handling of actual pitching changes. You know, the, it, it, it's an absolute axiom that a manager is only as good as the performance of his players and, and his ability to use uh, who he's got. And uh, I, I don't think that we could look at the, uh, at the bullpen that the Twins have right now, it, you know, you're right. Duran can't pitch every day. I mean, he could he could throw he could throw eight pitches, nine pitches, two days in a row. But you really don't want to you know don't want to overuse him uh, or or any closer uh, of his uh, of his ability. And 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 so putting him aside, then how do you or or just say how do you get to him? It, Rocco's got to use who he's got. And um, the the uh, the facts of what's going on in the game. How uh, yesterday, day before, uh, what's coming up? Uh, you got to decide amongst the uh, the arms that you have who's available today, and what's the best matchup that I have right now? Because these are the guys I have to choose from, and I can't. You know, as a manager, you, you're you're tied to the people that you have. You can't, you can't create something out of nothing and just get a new guy. All of a sudden you have to, you have to try to manage the bullpen with the arms that you have and, and the arms that you have today, because somebody may have pitched uh, a lot yesterday uh, and, or the day before used up a lot of guys. And, and so there are only certain guys left. And, uh, you know, I, I just think that, it would be very difficult for me to say uh, definitively that, that Rocco has used the bullpen well or not well, uh, just based on the fact of, that he's, uh, he's going to have to dance with, uh, with, uh, with who he brung to the dance. Um, it, I, I think it's very difficult to, you know, to second guess a move when you set up your bullpen and said, okay, these, these are, situations where this guy can do well, do the best uh, for him. And these are the kind of situations that I'd want to use this guy or that guy. And so, you know, and sometimes, so you do that as best you can until a guy proves that he can't do that. And then, you know, then you try it, you try something else. So I, I, I really don't think that it's, it's clearly obvious that uh, Rocco has been making bad pitching 
uh, pitching moves. I mean, you've got to, you've just got to look at who you, who you have that day and who the matchups are in this inning and next inning and, and do the best you can to piece it together to uh, get to your closer. You know, the thing is too, is that, you know, fans and people calling their radio shows often want, uh, managers kind of to whip their, their, their thoroughbreds more than, than they really want to. And so, they want to see a reliever being available maybe a third time in three days or a third time in four days, or they want to see a guy um, uh, come in, in in tougher situations. And it's just that you got to look at the big picture here as far as being able to protect these guys again through, through a season. The only time I get I have quibbles with Rocco is not necessarily about how he's uh, using the bullpen is um, my quibbles probably going across all of baseball in that, uh, how managers are so quick to pull starters at the first sign of trouble and have to activate that bullpen. I just think if you are trying to cover uh, 9, 10, 12, you know, 14 outs, you know, two, three times a week, that that script's going to end up getting flipped on you eventually because someone's going to come in who's not 100%, you know, who who just doesn't have it that day and is going to throw the whole uh the whole process out of whack. Um, if you start, if you start need, if you need to have like four relievers combined to get you through the rest of the game, you know, um, everything has to go according to plan. And it's, it's just not realistic to think that it's going to happen all the time. I just wish that, um, and I just saw this last week in a story, um, the average start in major league baseball is five and a third innings. The, 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 mat, the average number of pitches thrown by a starter is 84 now. <laughs> so, um, it's just that there, I, there are times I said, Rocco, you know, your situation where your that your bullpen's in, you may want to ask your starter one more inning. I think there was a game against Cleveland. I think Archer pitched great for like what four innings. I think he was approaching 90 pitches. And I was, you know, I said, I was like, you know what, this would be the out and I'd ask Archer to go one more inning. I know it was a little, it was a little, uh, laborious. I think he walked the bases loaded in the first inning and got out of the jam. But that was a day where everybody was gassing the bullpen, and they were going to have to, you know, tr- trust like um, Tyler Thornburg to get outs in the ninth inning. And I'm like, you want to delay that as much as possible. I'm like, give Archer one more inning, see how it goes. And uh, as it turned out, Archer was down after four. That bull, that that bullpen, um, the revolving door in the bullpen started spinning, and by the time it was over, the Twins had blown another game to the Cleveland Indians. So. Um, uh, I I look at it at the beginning, the, the, the demands on how many outs bullpens have to cover. I agree with you. I'll also point out that they've been very careful with Archer, and he still ended up going on the dis- and they and he still ended up on the disabled list. So I, I just don't know how you know. And the other, I'll also say this on the Twins' behalf: when somebody has proven that they can go deeper in games, uh, Gray when he's healthy, Ryan before COVID. Uh, they have let him go deep. I mean, they've had some seven inning, you know, type starts when the pitcher has proven uh, both durable and uh, effective in later innings. You know, yeah. one of the things one of the things that uh, Lavelle just said reminded me of, and I it reminded me of a couple of my uh, quibbles with baseball to use and with the Twins a little bit to use uh, Lavelle's term. I, it's just pet peeves of mine, but. Uh, yes, I think that starters ought to go uh, longer, and it. I, I know you have to protect guys like Chris Archer. And, you know, and there are there are situations where you have to be really careful, or they think they do now. 
uh, have to be really careful. Uh, I have to be careful coming, you know, being an old school old guy. And, and when in you know my 13 years in the big leagues, the, the whole the whole time was spent uh, with the attitude, everybody's attitude. You just go out there and play every day. I mean, you play every day. That's what you're there. That's what you're getting paid for. You play every day, and um, it, it's it's not that way anymore. There, there there's days off. That there, I have more head scratching with guys uh, with days off uh, when they when they take them. Uh, than I than I do with Rocco's pitching team. I, way more, way more disagreement, or way more head scratching uh, to me. The guy uh, really important to the lineup who swing the bat well, and all of a sudden, it, you know, it's a good time to give him a, a little uh, a little break. Um, I, I I've I've never understood that. The and so it kind of relates to what Lavelle's saying about starters. But the the other the other thing that bothers me is. The whole uh, industry, the whole, both leagues, uh, have gotten absolutely uh, fearful of hit, hitting fastballs off the pitchers. I mean, it's gone to a it's gone to a breaking ball league. The Twins are, to me, seem to be leading the world in that. And and you know, I think about the, the Franmil Reyes six sliders in a row from Pagan, and and he finally you know hung one, three, and two, and and hit and. Reyes hit, you know, out of the ballpark. And I, I think about McGill just the other day. Uh, he's throwing 97, 98. The first kid up is a – the first batter up is this kid, this catcher. He threw two pass balls by him, uh, tried to show him a curveball. Uh, the guy had you know, had a pretty good cut, fouled it down the third baseline, threw him another curveball, and he landed into right field to get that rally started. And then ultimately Andrew Vaughn, who has swung and missed or fouled back a couple of high fastballs at 97 or 98, got a breaking ball in the middle of the plate and, and, and put, and put the White Sox ahead uh, for good. And, and I just, I don't understand. Uh, my son called me and I said, when this stuff was happening and uh, he said, what, why do pitchers, throw breaking balls when the fastball is, is working? <laughs> and I said, well, I don't know the answer uh, to that. And uh, so that's another one of the, you know, more than how you use pitchers, how Rocco's use pitchers. It's the don't let anybody get hurt mentality. And, oh, by the way, you can let them hit a hanging slider for a home fastball because that keeps us up at night. I, I just I, I don't get it. One quick thing about Archer. Um, I got a buddy who follows the Twins really closely. And he was like, you have to watch Archer's, uh, you know, don't just focus on the Archer's outings. Focus on what happens the day after. He swears that the day after Archer outing, someone has to get sent down to the minors to bring up a fresh arm because the bullpen has had to right. get into the game, no, game that's earlier. True. And you know what? I'm starting to think, I, as much as I hate it, the Archer spot in the rotation may be a spot for an opener and have a guy come in for the first two innings and then bring an Archer for four and see how that plays out. Yeah, uh, I don't like it either, but it makes sense. Although I, I think, I don't know. I think they just feel comfortable with Archer starting the game. So even if an opener made sense, I think that, you know, and the other thing is Archer might have an outing every once in a while where he's really efficient and go five or six. And then the opener maybe would have been. Well, let me, I mean, what, what occurs to me is, I mean, what do you like, what do you like 
uh, about a guy that you don't you don't want to pitch in the sixth and seventh. Why do you like him in the first inning? I, <laughs> I, I, I don't. That's know. a fair. I, mean, that's I, a fair I understand question. the concept. Yep. Really and, you know the, the you know the opener idea. Just pray somebody can get through the lineup once, and then and then uh, stretch out, and then bring your starter in to get you to a more comfortable spot in the bullpen. Well, this but started I, because I, the game, oh, games can be games are often won and lost in the first inning. Mm-hmm. This started because uh, the 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 Rays had a pitch named Ryan Stanek, who was just horrible. And he threw like ninety eight, but they bring him in the seventh, eighth, and ninth innings. And he was just horrible. He just couldn't handle the situations. Somehow they found out that if he started a game and pitched the first couple of innings, he was great. And so he became he became the opener, and then followed by Sergio Romo. And so that's how the opener thing started with the with, with Tampa Bay. So I don't know if there's. Do we start Pagan in the first inning? I'm just joking. No, I'm not serious about that. But <laughs> you, find, you find a guy who can feel that role and then, and then activate Archer to see how it works out. I, I don't know. It seems you know, like the, Lavelle, I mean, the, your points, your point's a good one. And but the question is, I think you have to say that the standing example is great. And I think you have to look at the guys you have and say, okay, the reason this guy's not – successful here pitching in the seventh or the eighth is because he can't handle the pressure for whatever, for whatever reason. And if that was, you know, if that was the case with Stanek, okay, he's got a great arm, try him, you know, try him up here as the, uh, as the opener. So the twins would have to determine that some of these guys that they're, that they're using, it's not, it's not because they don't have the stuff. It's because they can't handle it because if they've got the stuff, then, you know, it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be an issue. So I, I don't know. I think, I think that uh, part of it is, you know, I mean, we got a three pronged deal here. They, they protect the starters, especially, especially Archer. You have to pitch with the, you know, the guys that you, you have to bring in guys that you have. You can't bring in guys you don't have. And then the third one for me is, is pitch selection. And I, um, I just, I, 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 if you think about all the big hits that have been that have sunk the twins in in tough losses in the last, I would say month, uh, it's been a breaking ball. It's been hit. So it's, I'm not saying that you you shouldn't throw breaking balls. I'm not saying that you just pump fastballs even at 97 or 98. Big league hitters are going to hit it. But but I, I just think that you have to. You have to take every situation and see what's happening with the hitters. You can see my guy's got 97, 98 today, and they aren't getting around. Let's let's uh, let's stay on that horse. You know, I mean, you show them something. And if the guys don't have the ability to throw their their off speed stuff close enough to be competitive, but not in the you know, but not in the middle of the plate, then you got then that guy can't pitch in the big leagues, right? I mean, it, so it's. It, and if you can't, you know, if you can't do that, then you might as well get beat on the fastball because 98 is harder to hit than hang a breaking ball. Excellent point. Hey, let's get a final thought. Next week we'll talk about all-stars, uh, which twins should be all-stars, who, uh, you know, and who run league should be all-stars. Uh, for today, let's get a final thought from each of the gentlemen. Once again, thank you for listening to TalkNorth.com. Remember to subscribe. Thank you to Corona and Perfect Ash. Uh, Lavelle, your final thought. My thought, my final thoughts can be totally off the wall because I went down a dark hole a week, about a week ago. Um, for some reason, I want to watch the replay of the Super Bowl halftime show uh, from the most recent Super Bowl. 
And after I watched that, then I looked at the 93 Super Bowl halftime show with Michael Jackson. Then after that, I watched Justin, Tim- Justin Timberlake's halftime show when it was at U.S. Bank Stadium. And finally, I watched Prince's uh, halftime show from Miami, which was by far the, the best of the four. It got me back into listening to more music, which I don't do enough of. And so um, now Prince is gone and no longer among us. I started thinking again about who are the top living guitarists. And my ranking, I've have I've got an easy four, uh, not necessarily in order, but um, uh, Jeff Beck, John Bonamassa, Eric Clapton, and um, uh, and Buddy Guy are in my top four. Now the fifth spot is really hard because I could go with Kenny Wayne Shepherd, I can go with Gary Clark Jr., I go with Carl Santana, um, I can go with uh, Johnny Lang, you know. Um, but uh, the fifth spot's always been tough, so I'm just thinking here about musicians and great guitar play. And those four guys are definitely in my top four. Well, now you, you just turned a half hour show into a four hour show because Roy and I can talk <laughs> about this all day. I will say this, um, Carlos Santana and the man is uh, ailing right now, but Carlos Santana has to be up there. And uh, I love Joe Bonamassa. He's a great player, but I tend to, I tend to lean toward people who were, Joe Bonamassa has taken what other people have done and he's just refined it as a great guitarist. But people like Santana and Jeff Beck, they kind of created the world of guitar playing that we hear now. So I have to give the edge to them. Okay. That was great. I like that. Yeah, I'm with you. Okay, we'll go We'll go the guitar thing and then we're going to come back and do a um, however many hours show we need to to get this uh, thing settled. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but um, absolutely, uh, Carlos Santana is my favorite. Uh, one of, not only top five, maybe maybe better than that. I just I I have just about everything that he's ever done. All the all the really uh, all the really great stuff and some stuff that people don't know about that really good. He's in there. But I got to tell you, uh, when you say Buddy Guy, um, I'm with you there, uh, Lavelle. But I I would go to. I mean, the easy answer is BB King, Jim. When you say uh, People changed, uh, changed the way you know, guitars changed the way other guitarists w- w- would play. I mean, BB King, and um, uh, and and for me, Albert King, uh, those two guys, uh, because they're because they're blues guys, and especially Albert King, you know, because he's a he he was not really a crossover guy, but man, that guy could play some blues that uh, would not only it not only make you think that um, that he uh, that he knew what he was doing. I mean, it just great, great licks, but also it was just really listenable. I mean, it, for me, for my personal taste. So, I, all those guys that you throw out there, I would I would agree with you know, uh, Santana, and uh, as particularly Jeff Beck, of course, Clapton, of course. I throw Prince in there because I think Prince is you know was was right there with all. Right. We're talking about living. Otherwise, Prince is right up there with all the other guys. B.B. Uh, King's fantastic. Uh, yes. And and, uh, and and Buddy Guy. Well, I mentioned I'm talking about a bunch of a bunch of deceased guys. I'm sorry about that. I mean, but I, I didn't realize I didn't realize we were talking about guys that are, you know, yeah, well, that's a living. But I'm going to stay with my I'm going to stay with my guys living or, living right. or not. The, and the Gary, living by the way, Gary Clark Jr. is to me one of the great uh, modern guitarist uh and he's he's phenomenal buddy guy really 
is of all the guitarists who influenced Jimi Hendrix, Buddy Guy was the most prominent among them. He he, there's a direct line from Buddy Guy to Jimi Hendrix. And I will, just, I will just remind you of a great line from Sonny Boy Williamson when the British, you know, British invasion was happening, and all of these guys were, uh, you know, they all uh, wanted to play the blues, and and uh, all of the guys that were talking about uh, Buddy. BB uh, King and and, uh, and others, Buddy Guy, uh, Albert King, they all they were influencing these uh, these great British guitarists that were you know, some of whom we're talking about. And, and uh, Sonny Boy Williamson said, "They all these young guys, they want to play the blues so bad, and they play the blues so bad, so bad." <laughs> <laughs> I will give you a couple of uh, two more names before we get out of here. Uh, number one, and these are not going to be popular names. These are alternate. This is, these are different ways of looking at it. Uh, among the great shredders, you know, Steve Weiss, Joe Satriani, all these guys who can just play 85 notes a second. Uh, and they're all great at what they do, but I don't necessarily want to sit around listening to it. The guy who is remarkable among the modern shredders, Tom Morello. Uh, he can play anything. Uh, he can make his guitar sound like anything. Uh, he's kind of the modern Jeff Beck in that way. And and here's this is going to be very unpopular. I'm going to say it anyway. You know who's a great guitarist and who's vastly underrated in part because he's been so poppy and he's kind of a weird dude? John Mayer. John Mayer. He's a great, <laughs> you're talking about. great yeah. player, man. He is a great player. And uh, the way he's run his career has kind of diminished the way the appreciation for his actual skills because he can play anything, including great blues. I was going to say, when he plays blues, he's outstanding. But, you know, people get wrapped up in fathers, be good to their daughters. Right. Well, he, you he, know, he and, made, and, and I said this on, I did, he you know, I did a, himself. Yeah, I did a recent uh, episode of Dave Lee's uh, in my first concert, and I got into this a little bit. I said, we sh- one thing we shouldn't do as consumers is hold it against an artist when they have a hit. Because, like, if you if you listen, you know, you guys know I'm a Springsteen guy. If you listen to Springsteen's hits, they're nothing like his deeper stuff. Just like uh, Carl Santana, his deeper stuff is way different than the stuff that's been popular. Uh, don't hold hits again. Hits allow people, uh, they give people the wherewithal to go do the deeper stuff that they want to do. Allows them to pay the bills. And, and yeah, let, let these people pay their bills, and then they can go make more music. All right, yeah. uh, we're gonna we'll be back with more blues music and. Uh, and we'll see if we're still singing the blues about Twins Bullpen next week.